And a good morning to you and welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf. Nothing feels like Mizuno. By Seapalms. Become a member by going to seapalms.com. By Club Car, the ultimate utility and personal vehicle. By Bridgestone Golf, play the ball that fits you, the new Tour B. And by RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community. On the show today, we're going to talk with Brian Nelson of the Georgia State Golf Association about how to join, the member benefits, and your handicap in index. And then we'll talk with PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley, who has worked with Stuart Sink and many others and is currently working with William McGirt. And then finally, we'll talk with Golf Channel's Damon Hack about the Phil issues still going on. Will he play at Augusta? We don't know as yet. And his thoughts on the Saudi Tour and the PGA Tour battle. But first up is Brian Nelson of the Georgia State Golf Association. Good morning, Brian, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Good morning, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing great. So our listeners may or may not be familiar with the Georgia State Golf Association. If they play golf, I'm sure they do. Tell us a little bit about how you join and how easy it is. Okay. Well, there's uh, really two ways to join. Uh, we have over 350 member clubs in the state of Georgia, so uh, they all offer the GSJ membership. And the main thrust of that is a, uh, having a gin number where you can track your scores. And uh, there's also a mobile app available, where, which is pretty cool, where you can also track partners and, and things like that. But you can basically go to a club and, uh, and join that way. If you already have a gin number, we encourage uh, you just to have one gin number so that there aren't uh, multiple gin numbers in play. Uh, all scores would get posted to that one gin number. You can also join the GSJ through our website. Um, if there's uh, a golfer that doesn't play a particular course often, they play a lot of different courses, then that's probably the route that they would want to go to join. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of other, you know, handicap uh, websites out there and sites that people can go to, but there really are a lot of benefits if you live in Georgia to belong to the GSGA over those others. Well, the others don't uh, necessarily compute handicaps the same way into the world handicap system. Right. So it, it may not be apples to apples if you're going out to, in a competition where if you have a handicap through a different vendor that isn't approved by the USGA, uh, then there could be a different way that those handicaps are being computed. But there are quite a few member benefits, um, and I'd really recommend golfers to download the MyGSJ mobile app. That's where they can post scores once they're active and have a GIN number. And that's uh, it also has a lot of GSJ local content as far as we have a, a perks program where there's about 20 different vendors that are participating. We're adding more uh, to offer discounts and really give more value to the GSJ membership. And from a standard of benefits, another one of the benefits, if you play in charity events, I mean, you have a, a GIN number which help with the handicaps instead of going to some of those other sites because your handicaps in some of these charity events also can be very helpful. Yes, yeah, with, with the GIN number, um, golfers are able to look you up. Tournaments can, can put you in the, their field that way, too, with the GIN number. So uh, that's a, a good point as far as having uh, some value there with, with having yeah. that GIN number. Uh, there's also opportunities to play. Uh, there's member play days that, that are offered through the benefits where uh, golfers have access to uh, private clubs they may not normally be able to get onto and, and play. Uh, but as a GSJ member, they do have opportunities to participate in those. 
we have a really uh, big schedule as far as tournaments, um, all the way starting from the juniors with our GSA Junior Tour. We've got men's events, women's events, um, senior events, both for men and ladies, and even super senior events. So there's a lot of opportunities to play once you're active as a GSJ member. Well, I've played in a lot of charity events, and, you know, there's always a team or some guys who sit there and, you know, they yell out sandbagger and all this other kind of stuff. But with the handicap index with the GSGA, there's no fudging on that. I mean, it is what it is when you look it up. Yes, uh Ultimately, the, the system looks at the 20 most recent scores, if you have that many in your history, and it's going to take the lowest eight differentials. And a differential is computed after each round of golf is played based on the golfer's score, uh, the course rating, and slope rating of those tees being played. So it's going to take an average of the lowest eight of those differentials to get your index. And what some, pe- some I'm sorry. I'm, no, go ahead. There are also some safeguards in place to where over a 365-day period, an index can't go up more than five points. So the, the term you just used with the sandbaggers, um, that, that does keep those golfers in, in line. And it also affects if it can't go down more than five points, or, or can it, if you're playing that well? Oh, it can go. It can go. There's no um, floor as to how low it can go. If you're oh. And well, it's going to compute it. So okay. it's, just, it's just protecting on the other side of it where um, if, if scores are are higher than normal, uh, there are safeguards in place to keep them from going too high. Yeah, and a, a lot of guys go to tournaments or these charity events, and they go in and they say, well, my handicap is this, but the course handicap may be different. <laughs> yeah, so, right, so the handicap index is just a starting point, and then there's, a, there's charts for based on the course rating and the slope rating of those tees being played. Uh, to determine what your course handicap would be. Right. And what is the max score? Is it double or triple bogey, or does it really depend on what your handicap index is? Uh, It really compares to the course handicap. So the maximum score per hole is going to be a net double bogey when you post your score. So you you look at the stroke index. So if you're a a 14 handicap, for instance, you would get strokes on the 14 uh, stroke index holes one through fourteen. So, if you the highest score you can make on those holes would be a triple bogey, which in, would with the stroke would take it down to a net double bogey. And it it also helps if the players are playing from the same tees each time because the slope and the rating change depending if you move up or move back. That's correct, but the, the system will will correct for that. So as long as you know. In which tees you're playing, you can figure out what your course handicap is um, pretty easily. Yeah. And, Brian, also, if you belong to the GSGA, you also get the monthly magazine, which is extremely beneficial. Plus, you have a chance, if you get a hole-in-one, to see your name or right there in the, in the magazine. Right, right. The additional benefits are the Golf Georgia magazine, which gets uh, it's in print six times a year. Then the other six months, we have a digital version that's also emailed to our, all of our members. Uh, GSJ members also get a uh, subscription to Golf Digest magazine. And to your point, we do recognize home ones as well as unique feet. So if an older golfer uh, such as us were to shoot our age or do something um, what, what we can consider unique, they can submit that to the GSGA and we'll send them a, a congratulatory letter as well as a certificate. And with a hole-in-one, they would also receive a personalized bag tag, too. 
Awesome. And how do you verify if they got the hole-in-one or, you know, shot their age or better? Uh, just need a club official, uh, whether it's okay. a golf coach okay. or someone from the staff at the okay. club to, to sign off on it and verify it. Yeah, because you could have a guy call in and say, I got a hole-in-one every month, and these are the courses that I played, and this was the hole that I played, right? Right, right. <laughs> for him, we would <laughs> just probably ask for some video. <laughs> And to talk to his lawyer, I'm sure. Pretty much. That would be the next step as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, give us the website for the GSGA, please, so our listeners can go to it and join. Sure. It's www.gsga.org. And there's a lot of uh, great content there. Um, and they can also join at their local club. So if they're, you know, they, they play a club often, uh, they can always uh, join the GSGA through there. And it's um, recommended to be attached to a club that way you're on a roster and you have a chance to play with other members of that club as well and it's not that expensive no it, the club set the pricing um and a lot of times they will they will add in something else around a golf or range balls or something like that right. so um it, it just kind of uh, is a fluctuating rate depending on the club and, and what they're offering well brian thank you for taking time to be with us on a saturday morning we appreciate it and i hope you have a great day you too. Thanks, Rich. Take All care. Right. All right. Brian Nelson with the GSGA. We want to thank him for his time and uh, join. And it's uh, Georgia State Golf Association or GSGA.org, and you can find out more. Coming up next, our guest is going to be PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley. But how do you spell pizza? I spell it with three letters, C-J-S, C-J's. So, CJ's has the best deep dish, thin crust pizza in the area made with fresh ingredients every day. Their eclectic decor and friendly customer service welcomes you into their place across from Parker's on Mallory Street. Plus, they make it easy to call, pick up, drive up. They got some special parking places right there, and they'll come right out, and you'll get your food right away. CJ's is across from Parker's on Mallory Street on the island. They also serve salads with freshly made salad dressing, subs. Check out their full menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. That's cjsitalianrestaurant.com. This is Dave Harner from the French Lake Resort. You're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Uh, our next guest is a good friend. We get to see each other every now and then, uh, PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley. Uh, good morning, Kip. How you doing? What's up, Rich? How are you, brother? I'm doing good. Where are you? I mean, you're in your car. Are you getting Starbucks or your wife shopping or what? Some of other things. Uh, I am in downtown beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, my daughter has a, uh, a farmer's market up here today where she sells her wares. She's my little hippie. She makes her own jewelry <laughs> and sells things and sets up a booth here. She makes more money than I do caddy. <laughs> Well, good. Then she can help. Some more money than me these days. Well, you can uh, have her help support you for a while. All right, you're currently with. Uh, I don't know how this is going to work out. I got to. Go ahead. Uh oh, is there a delay? No, it just There's I a, I, I paused. I hobo just a minute ago at the window, wanting me to give him some change. I had to run him off. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, we'll. It we'll sounds like there's a quite a delay. Well, there might be a little bit, but you're currently with William McGurk. Um, how did you guys get together? 
Uh, Dirk McGirt. So my best buddy on the PGA Tour, besides my little brother, uh, is Brandon Antis. You know, we spent the most time together. We've roomed together. He caddied for McGirt when McGirt was at full power back before his injuries and things. And uh, we, uh, I was with Brian Gay. We played a lot of practice rounds together, and I always loved and respected the McGirt family. And uh, obviously, when Brandon got, I mean, when McGirt got hurt, Brandon moved on to other bags. He's currently with uh, Jason Duffner, and McGirt's bag was open, and I was open, and I got the invite to go to work for him. And it's, I love the guy. He's a great, great guy. Yeah, but and he's, he's not- getting better every week too. Well, that's that's even better. But he's not playing a full schedule. Uh, what does that do to you? Because that gives you a lot of downtime. It's it's making it tough. Uh, he you know he has. I think when I signed on, he had fifteen. Uh, not he probably had about eighteen or nineteen uh, uh, major medical starts left over because you know he got hurt in the season. He's had two major hip surgeries. So. He spent a good two and a half, almost three years completely out of the game, rehabbing and surgery. And yeah. man, he's had a tough go. And uh, now he's back, but he has his limited start. So he's, you know, since he's, he has a limited number, he, he's not going to the golf courses that he would normally go to if he had a full uh, status. Right. You know, he, he's not going to the big golf courses that just don't fit his game. He's not a far hitter, you know, so he's picking the choosing where he plays and to answer your question, man, it's, it's making it kind of tough, you know, just to truthfully, because he's just not playing enough events. Uh, but, you know, um, we do what I can. He's going to have to have some super good finishes. I think he's got like 10 starts left, so he's still got time. Yeah. He's not he's not on uh, life support yet, but he needs <laughs> to have some good finishes. And, but it, if, if and when he gets going, when he gets going, not if, he's going to get going, man. But, uh, and we're seeing he's trending up, you know, uh, but when he gets going, I'll be the happiest guy out there because he's such a pleasant human, man. He's a good, solid dude, good father and a good husband. And I mean, I mean, trust the guy with your wallet and your wife is when he gets going, I'll be a very, very happy caddy. Yeah, I'll bet you will. And what happens though? Can you get on somebody else's bag in those weeks that he's not playing? If, you know, if you can hook up with somebody. McGirt is uh he's a super low ego guy. Uh my Twitter doesn't bother him one bit. So I'm pretty active <laughs> on Twitter and have a lot of people follow me and he could care less about that. He I mean he's a really I mean he does this guy don't sweat the small things and that's you know, that's a great guy to caddy for. Yeah. So many of these tour players, not all of them, but so many of them just absolutely worry about the minute tiny things that are away from the game and they waste their time but He's chill about it, but he's given me the blessing to Kip. Anytime you can find a bag, if I'm not playing, find you a bag. So he's cool with it, you know. And you know, I guess me being 61 and old and fat, they're just people aren't beating my door down anymore, Rich. But I still think I got a lot to offer for a, a good young player, you know. So just finding the right guy and signing back up will, will be, uh, you know. I like I said, McGirt, God, please let McGirt secure his card yeah i can't you know he pays me crazy he's so fair he's generous he he's everything you want your guy to be so please just let us have one or two really great finishes and turn this thing around for dirt mcgirt yeah that'd be that'd be great uh how's your schedule when are you going back out 
Uh, well, he, we were playing in uh, uh, Puerto Rico, but he backed out on the Monday. We on the travel day because his hip was hurting. You know, his hip still flares up and stuff. So he backed out of that going to. I had a I had an eighty five dollar flight out of Orlando. Wow. Which we made the cut Palm Beach. They played good on the weekend, but <clears throat> I had an eighty five dollar flight out of Orlando <laughs> straight into Puerto Rico. And had uh, McGirt was picking up the place to stay, and all I had to do was get a high price rental car. I, I was looking forward to a great week, but he pulled out of that, so I'm off this week. Obviously, and next week we're not in TPC, so Tampa we start back out, and I'm excited about Tampa. It's a great golf course; it fits his game like crazy. So, all right, you have uh, caddied if anybody at a... out there pulls. Go ahead. You 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 have played at a lot of lot of great golf courses. Um, how is it to caddy at Augusta National? It's the craziest thing on earth. It's, you know, I'm like, I've got to work Augusta five times, you know. It, you know, as, as, as out there as my caddy career kind of has been, you know, I guess it's, I don't know, I guess because of the big break and me being, you know, and I had a great run with Brian Gay and a couple other guys, you know, and worked for Veege and Stuart Sink, so. My, my my caddy name or my caddy face or whatever is bigger than it should be. I, I've only <laughs> caddied with Augusta five times. But <laughs> somehow, I guess being on the big break, and stuff, I kind of put <clears throat> put my name out there a little bit. But, I'm I, you know, I kind of get credit for being one of the top caddies when I really haven't been, except for a stretch of Brian Gay where we won four times. You no, know, we had a hot run there for a while, but. Yeah, I mean, I I miss TPC all the time. I miss the majors. I've only caddied in the U.S. Open like twice in 18 years, maybe three times. And I miss, I mean, the PGA have probably caddied in like seven or eight times. I've missed so many events. So, I don't know. I guess, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I guess it's, my gig is is a one weird gig. When it's going great, man, it's the greatest thing on earth. Yeah. But I've had a lot of downtime. Yeah. Well, how fast are the greens really at Augusta? I mean, I've talked to some sports psychologists who Crazy. go with Kuchar, and they say you don't want to be above the hole. You really want to be below the hole. Even on the sides is difficult. I can tell you a story that will sum this up for you perfectly. So my and Brian Gay's first time in Augusta, you know, I've, I've, I started going to Augusta when I was a kid in 1977. I've been a thousand times, you know, I had my class A so I could go for free then, you know, when I was club early. So right. I knew the golf course inside, out, backwards, and, and forward. I knew everything. I knew every inch of that place. And so we got to play our practice round, and I know where that pin is going to be on uh, – three, the short par four up the hill, you know? Right. I know that thing's going to be in that little – tucked over in that left corner and so our very first practice round me and brian gay we get over and said big look here this is gonna be right here you see it over here we're gonna hit it right here a little bit more in the fat part of the green we should hit this putt drag it down that hill you know it's a left turner down the hill if you hit the middle of the green to that left pin it's gonna break left so we sit there and i know pretty much it's it's limited because it's not but like eight state steps deep over there so we know where the pin's going to be it's going to be right here so we get up there, pin high, 15, 20 feet. We hit these putts, and, you know, it's got some circle in it, and it's putting, and it's breaking down there. So we hit it 10 or 12 times and move on along. So we get to the first round. This was on Tuesday or Monday. Right. So we get to the first round on Thursday, Rich. And sure enough, there's 
that pin, and surely to God, Brian hit that sucker exactly right there. We've got that 20-footer that we hit 10 times on Tuesday. We know that thing's going to break about this far. Yeah. You know, it's fast, and it's downhill. Brian Gay hits this putt, and I mean, this thing, it's like it's rolling down the bathtub, and it breaks. It, I'm, in a, I'm in a big car. It breaks. I'm just saying breaks. Eight feet. <laughs> it broke this much in the practice round. Gee. By Thursday, they'd set them up and press them and roll them. It, it's we missed this thing. We looked at each other like, oh my god, what? I mean, it was we missed it five feet left and passed. Wow. And we knew the putt exactly. We looked at each other like, holy crap, how much faster <laughs> are these things today than they were on Tuesday or Monday? Whenever we hit that putt, we we were so ready, but good God, we weren't ready. We thought we were ready. Yeah. No. You weren't ready for that. But they're incredible, man. And, yeah. And to, uh, w- to walk in between those ropes, it's it's indes- it's indescribable. I can't put it to words. I mean, it's really a religious experience for a, a guy who loves the game or a girl who loves the game to finally get to go and step across. So I can remember the first time in 1977 and paying that $12.50, whatever it was, to get in there on a Tuesday practice round. And walking right by the clubhouse and coming out right there on that hill, really, yep. where you're over the number one tee's two left, and down that hill on the big giant scoreboard and one fairway bunker up, up the hill to the right and looking out over the what used to be the members' practice area in between eight and nine and all that area down in there, and it was just breathtaking. I mean, my heart yeah. stopped. You know? Yeah, I finally got to see it. Yeah, and then to finally. You know, once Brian Gay got his wind and go up there and he had, man, it's, you can't put it to words how much it means to a, a guy, a true golf nut. Yeah, I'll bet. And the other thing, you know, I've gone a couple times, uh, never played. Um, I did take my bag on a practice round, but they told me I couldn't get on. But um, that's an old joke. But <laughs> Didn't um, have it open the tee time? Uh, no, they didn't. Uh, but unless you've been, you really don't know, and TV doesn't show, how hilly it is, how up and down it is. Mm-mm. No, it is an absolute brute to walk for a caddy. Of course, you're, you know, you're walking on clouds because you're just so fired up. But yeah, I can remember. Uh, uh, give you, uh, give you a little bit of story. I, I got the caddy for VJ the first time I ever worked for VJ. I worked for him at Augusta. Oh wow! Turned together. He's kind of poking fun at me for being a fat guy and my diet, you know, and so. We get over the first round, and he he hits the second shot up the hill to number eight, you know, par five up the hill. And after you hit your second shot there, man, it's on. It's about 180 yards, and it's – and we get to the top of that hill, and he looks back. He's about five steps ahead of me, and here's me back there. <laughs> he gets to the top of the hill, and he goes, you want the cheeseburger, little buddy? <laughs> you know, he's making fun of my diet. So. Great. I said, I'll be right there, little buddy. Just get ready. Yeah, yeah. Just think of what club you want to use. I'll be there in a minute. Um, what is your take? And I, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. What is your take on this Phil Mickelson stuff that's going on? Ugh, that's golly, a tough question. I, some, I know. I got some. I got one or two things that are kind of controversial. I mean, I have some ideas on it. I mean, first and foremost, I am a huge Phil Mickelson fan. Yeah. One of the biggest. I, he's one of my favorite guys. We've been paired with him probably five times in my career in 18, 18 years. 
And I mean, I love going out with a guy, you know, he does, he'll talk to anyone and he'll talk to the caddies, you know, he's got a lot of information, but uh, he'll give it to you without you asking. But he's a, I think he's a great guy. I mean, I just love it. Obviously he was playing both sides of the thing, yep. you know, to try and get his do- He did, he did exactly what almost everyone would do in a situation that he's in. I feel like, you know, he's, I mean, I just love the guy. I feel like I hate to be controversial, but I, I'm not so sure. Shipnut, I love Shipnut. He's been great to me, but I'm not so sure. I, Alan didn't give him a little bit of a a bad shake on that deal. Yeah, I know he didn't. You know, that's a sticky thing. Alan's got to write and sell books, and and I'm sure Phil thought that if it was if, if when he said that, you know, about the Saudis being scary dudes. I'm sure he thought that would never come to the light of day, yeah. you know, and I'm yeah. sure that if Alan Shipnut would have went to Phil, of course he's got to sell books and he, and Alan's been awesome to me. I did his podcast. I love the guy, but I mean, I think that if he would have gone to Phil and go, what do you think, Phil? Should I put this statement out there? Phil would go, hell no, don't, don't, yeah, right. don't yeah, put right. that out yeah. there. Don't, Please don't, don't, don't yeah. put that out. Right. And so I think Alan knew he was sitting on a keg of dynamite. I know. I know he knew he was sitting on. It. I knew he knew he'd sell books. So it's kind of a, a tough situation there. Like I say, I respect both the guys with all my heart. I really do. Yeah. But uh, it's 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 sticky. It's yeah. gross. Yeah, it? it is. All right. I want to change and go back somewhere. If you were on tour, if you were playing, sixty-one years old, Champions Tour. Who would you like to caddy for you? I I know you'd pick me because I've had so much experience at the RSM, but (laughs) talk about huffing and puffing. I'd pick you that week, baby. (laughs) Who would I have? Uh, (laughs) RSM's easy walk, man. If you're you're huffing and puffing there, you got some troubles. That's the flattest thing we got. Yeah. This one besides Honolulu. Uh, so who would you want uh, to caddy for I've you? I've always said uh, Paul Tesori is the is the number one caddy. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the the last time uh, I was in Memphis, you know, I made it in through the club pro ranks. You know, the fat guy way in. But the last time I got to play the, the, the FedEx, and uh, I had my daughter Stormy caddy for me, which was the greatest thing ever on earth. What a great experience! But oh yeah. Two weeks prior to that, an old, an old caddy that, uh, named Scotty Steele, and uh, he caddied for – Scotty Steele was the guy when Larry Mize chips in on to beat Norman in a good – Yep, yep. Scotty Steele standing there holding that bag. And Scotty Steele is the, is the greatest – was the, the sweetest, the greatest caddy caddy, and that's one of my big regrets in life. He, Scotty said, Kip, let me work for you. Memphis week. I'm not working that week. I'll do it. I said, God, if he's a kip, I'll do it for free. I just want to do it. Wow. And I invited Stormy. And boy, that's one of my wish I had over. Even though Stormy, you know, loved it. We had a great week. Yep. Scotty died not not very long after that. And man, what a guy we missed. But if I had to pick a guy now, good Lord, I want my little brother. He's the best on the greens of whoever shit behind two shoes. Can you say that on this podcast or am I already in trouble? You just did. We're okay. We're still on the air. Finger on the button, Rich. Finger on the button when I'm with you. We're good. But uh, my little brother, man, he reads greens like 
like a third grade reader. He can read them like crazy. So, and he's my best friend in life. So, I'd probably choose him if, if but he wouldn't go to work for me. He would. He want money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kip. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, being in Knoxville and talking to us as always. And uh, hope to see you soon, my friend. Enjoy being on here with you, Rich. You're always ready to go and inform. I appreciate you having me on, man. All right. And I appreciate you keeping up with me and my McGirt. You betcha. We'll always do it. Thanks, Kip. All right. Kip Henley, PGA Tour caddy with uh, William Dirt McGurk. And we're coming up next with Golf Channel's Damon Hack on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Stay with us. Good morning, everybody. This is Jason Bale, the PGA Director of Instruction at Belfair in Bluffton, South Carolina. And you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Radio Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Glad you're with us. Uh, Damon Hack joined the Golf Channel back in 2012 uh, and is with us this morning. Good morning, Damon. Thanks for being with us. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing just fine. Doing just fine. I've been traveling and coaching the boys, as you know, but I'm glad we could finally make this happen. I am, too. I mean, it's uh, how did the boys' teams do? They've been doing really, really well. We have a game today at 940 so uh, this was the perfect time slot. We're coming off of a win last weekend. They're enjoying basketball. They play tennis. They play flag football. And, of course, when the, the snow finally melts, we'll get out on the golf course as well. Yeah, and that just makes it uh, busy for uh, any parent when you've got them and you've got three all in those sports, and they're, they're all just not close together anymore. Well, the good news is I have triplets. They're one minute apart, so if they tend to do the same sport, we kind of drop them off or – at least can join them for the same activity. Thankfully, they, they like similar things because the day they want to split, go in different directions, we could be in trouble. <laughs> I understand <laughs> that. Hey, let's get right to it. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on with Phil? Yeah, it's been strange. You know, for someone who has built such an incredible fan base and, and goodwill throughout his career, to see him misplay this situation so much. There's, I was surprised at kind of the vitriol and, and anger he seemed to carry towards the PGA Tour, which has been so good to him, um, where he's become so famous and, you know, largely and wildly successful, yep. uh, both on and off the golf course, for him to try to leverage, um, you know, some more money for the PGA Tour. Uh, and by doing so with a, an outfit that he acknowledges has made some pretty poor decisions in the area of human rights. So I guess I'm just most surprised that, that Phil, who, again, I've enjoyed covering, who, you know, lights up any room he walks into, could, could so misplay this and, and act as though the PGA Tour has been somehow unfair to him or, you know, this is what, he's 51 years old now and yep. he's been so successful. I, just, I was just surprised at his tone, um, with the uh, article that uh, interviewed by Alan Shipnuck, that he wasn't a more, you know, balanced or positive or optimistic about things. And, and instead, he seems to feel like, like the PGA Tour has somehow taken advantage of the players, where that's not how most people read the situation. No, and he's made, you know, with endorsements and winnings on the PGA Tour and wherever else he's played, he's made what I've looked up is about $800 million. How can he be upset? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's rumors that maybe he doesn't have as much of that anymore or maybe he didn't make some great decisions. Those are, those are just rumors and speculation. But you're right. right, he has been wildly successful. Think about the, the money he's made on the golf course, off the golf course, you know, 
the endorsements that he had, I mean, Callaway pausing the relationship, KPMG ending the relationship, yep. but think of Rolex through the years, Amstel Light, Miz and Main shirts. Uh, he's been everywhere. Yeah. It's just surprising he won the match for, what, $10 million and beat Tiger. So it's, I feel like you're kind of misreading the room in, in, in a time when, you know, folks are, you know, trying to put gas in the gas tank and raise their kids and, and make decisions about where to eat and what to eat and try to save money for college or for vocation. It's just, I was surprised that he could sound so tone deaf right. considering how successful he's been. Yeah. And he's upset, obviously players and the PGA tour and the Saudi tour. So Damon, where does he go from here? Yeah. You know, he had this kind of apology, non-apology, which he released on social media um, I thought that Roy McIlroy really did him a solid in saying, listen, people make mistakes. Uh, hopefully, you know, Phil will come through this um, and, and we forgive him. And this does not kind of become the thing we identify Phil with. And I think in time and maybe with the passage of time and thought, maybe a, uh, a more heartfelt apology that, that we'll move on from this and he'll move on from this and be better down the line, but it sounds like he's not in the field next week at the Players' Championship, which is a tournament he's won. Yep. And of course, the flagship event of the PGA Tour uh, in Jacksonville, not too far from you guys. So I'm, I'm waiting to see kind of what his next move is. Obviously, Augusta National is next month. He's won the Green Jacket three times. Um, I know that a lot of people in the golf business, from you know stakeholders to sponsors to the tour, not very pleased with, with Phil over the last several weeks in his comments and probably waiting for a little bit uh, a more uh, substantive apology from Phil. Yeah, more, more sincere, I think, is what mm. people are looking for. Do you think, Damon, that he'll show up at the Masters, or do you think he will have a discussion with the folks there and they don't want the disruption, they don't want the distraction, they want everything to be about the Masters? They do, and, and the, the, you know, Augusta National, as we've seen, you know, let's be honest, when Tiger came back from his issues and scandal, he came back to the Masters, and, and somehow the, the way Augusta works, it, it almost like it becomes very quickly about the golf, and, and uh, I would think that there would be a conversation had that it would be an apology or a press conference on like a Monday or Tuesday with Phil, and then you move on and it's all about the golf. So I think that you know, as Augusta has at times been a kind of a safe landing place for players who have made mistakes or stepped in it or, or okay. said something or done something wrong, that Augusta often kind of is that soft landing where, you know, the media is not inside the ropes and there's less access and less, um, you know, of a, of a focus on, on things outside of those, you know, blooming azaleas and dogwood and, and the shot making and the history of that golf tournament. So I do think that if we don't see Phil next week at, at the players, which doesn't sound like we will since that deadline has passed it was yesterday, I'd be shocked if, if Phil doesn't somehow get his act together, whether it's with his media people and PR or a conversation with Augusta and finding a way to be at that first major championship of the year. Yeah, do you think Augusta and the Masters uh, folks can control the narrative from the media if he has a press conference enough that it won't take away from the tournament? I do. Okay. I think that, I think that the folks there and Phil 
um, are savvy enough to figure out a way to get past it. What's going to be interesting, Rich, is I think on that Wednesday when the chairman, Fred Ridley, has his you know, annual presser, he will be asked about Saudi Arabia in rival golf leagues because there has been seemingly a coalescing of thought around the PGA Tour to protect it in that the PGA of America and the RNA and a lot of the governing bodies, the USGA, are kind of behind closed doors having conversations right. about, hey, we don't want players not showing up at our major championships or hurting the PGA Tour. Right. If the time had passed where there was more of a rivalry between the PGA Tour and the PGA and the USGA and Augusta, I think the stakeholders are, are more in lockstep now uh, than they've ever been, doing more things from a, from a collaborative standpoint. PGA Tour, for example, and the former European Tour have yeah. a strategic alliance. So I think that Augusta National... I imagine it would be more lockstep with the thought of a Jay Monahan versus the thought of a Phil Mickelson. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Damon, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Damon Hack on the Golf Channel uh, in just a couple of minutes. But are you in the market for new clubs this season? Be part of the history in the making and explore the new Mizuno Pro Irons. These new models fit the needs of a variety of skill levels, and there are three of them. Also explore the next generation of Mizuno drivers with the all-new ST220 Series. To find out more about these products and everything else new from Mizuno, head over to MizunoGolf.com. And remember, nothing feels like Mizuno. Hey, Justin Parsons here at the Sea Island Golf Performance Center, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone with uh, Damon Hack of the Golf Channel. And Damon, we were talking about Phil, but I've got to ask this. What damage do you think all that has happened is going to have on Phil's legacy? Yeah, I think this will be part of the the legacy. I still think it's going to be a smaller part when all said done. I know he's lost some fans, he's lost some sponsors, um, but I, I tend to look at the, the picture in its entirety, the shots, the goodwill, the autographs, the thumbs up, the the joy that he's mostly brought to the to the game. I do think this is a, it's just a strange type of coda, and perhaps, and I, I think we've seen enough from history and sports and Tiger, that folks can come back from things that you think that they would never come back for. I mean, 2009 and 10, who would have thought that Tiger would somehow find a way to a 15th major and then he has this horrible car accident, and now we're seeing him smiling with his son in the PNC, um, formerly the father-son, now the PNC championship. So right. I think that, that, you know, gosh, we love, we love second acts in, in America. We love second acts in Hollywood. Uh, and we love comeback stories. And I think that, you know, Phil Mickelson has spent his career getting himself out of tough spots on the golf course, and now it'll call for some imagination to get out of a tough spot off the golf course. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk. I mean, Zach's been named, uh, you know, captain for the Ryder Cup for 2023 in Italy. There was a lot of talk about Phil being named the Ryder Cup captain in 2025. Do you think all this going on and his journey back do you think he's blown that chance to be the Ryder Cup captain? You know, I think he's got some work to do. I, I think that right now, since he's got some time, you know, 2025 and, and Beth Page is, is quite a ways away. You know, who knows what's going to happen over the next several months, the next year or so. He's in a bad spot now. I, I think he's a little bit radioactive right now and that folks won't want to touch him or deal with him. And you're seeing people kind of flee uh, from him. But I, I, I lean on the the kind of words of, of Rory from Bay Hill where he said, you know, this kind of this too shall pass and, and Phil's been too important to the game 
for this to kind of, you know, tar his legacy forever or be the one thing that we talk about five, ten years from now. I do think it's a, an ugly mark for him right now. I'm, I've been shocked at how tone deaf he's been, even in his apology, um, and to and to risk all the the goodwill that he built up, you know, for for you know ten million dollars more for someone who's made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, has made you know more money than anybody in golf history, with the exception of Tiger Woods. So yeah. he's he stepped in it, Rich. There's no question about it. But yeah. I do think in this era of social media and short attention spans that, you know, a month from now we might be moving on to the next scandal and Phil can kind of quietly go about putting the pieces back together. Yeah, he may be praying for another scandal that will Mm. take him out of the news. And when the books come out, um, I've heard it's only going to get worse. Yeah, you know, I know the writer very well. Alan Shipnuck was a former colleague of mine at Sports Illustrated, a really bulldog, talented reporter who is able to get a lot of information that others can't. Um, it's interesting because the, the book is, it says it's an unauthorized biography, but he actually had some conversations with Phil yeah. about his kind of wild and crazy life. And, and you're right, there is kind of a hold-your-breath type of feeling in not knowing exactly everything that's in the book. It's just, just one aspect of, you know, maybe a player that we don't know as well as we thought we knew, and there's other kind of things that are going to be learned in this book that we don't know, and that's obviously conjecture, we'll wait and see. But I do know that Alan is a very tough reporter um, and, and doesn't mind the salacious and has a book to sell. And yeah. it'll be very interesting to see kind of what this book ultimately has when it's released uh, in about a month or so. All right. Phil's going to take a step back. He already has. His sponsors are either pausing or canceling. Uh, His best move, do you think he needs to put out a good PR campaign? Do you think he just needs to be quiet and just stay wherever he's going to stay for the moment? Yeah, I kind of like the latter. I think he needs to kind of stay exit stage left, as they say, and kind of get his ducks in a row and and maybe come out with the a renewed statement or a press conference or something with Amy, his wife, who's kind of, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, America's sweetheart and, and, and the golf fans have always kind of rallied around her. I, I think that he needs to do some damage control. No question about it. I think, you know, it was one thing to have the quote. The next thing was the kind of insincere p- apology that just seemed to miss all the notes that he was trying to. Yes. And I think maybe stepping away and he said that maybe he needs to take some time and, kind of figure things out because he just seems like he's a guy who, you know, when you go to a, a concert and, and the and the singer's out of tune, you know, you're 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 surprised. That kinda of, that kind of what this feels like. Someone who for so long has been beloved in, in the spotlight and beloved by almost you know, almost all the fans and you know, while some zig tiger, some zag for Phil and, and now he just seems to be kind of a man on an island who needs to go on his own and figure things out. Yeah, we've got about 20 seconds. Your quick thoughts on Zach Johnson as Ryder Cup captain. Excited for him. 12 PGA Tour wins, a couple big-time major champs, respected by the young player and the veteran alike, the pride of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Tough, undersized, gritty. I think it's a wonderful appointment for Zach. Well, I do as well, and I do appreciate you taking the time. Good luck in your games today, and uh, Damon, as always, thank you for being with us. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rich. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Damon Hack of the Golf Channel, uh, mainly our conversation about <clears throat> sorry, what's going on with Phil, and we'll never know 
why it came out, but hopefully we'll find out. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPN Coastal. Check us out on ESPNCoastal.com every Saturday and Sunday right here and also wherever you get your golf podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. The Back Nine Boys thanks you for listening.